0: The really important thing about a model for females is that, is that when you're dealing with emotions and you're going to have a lot of emotions around your relationships with your kids, you're going to have a lot of emotions with your husband, you're going to have a lot of emotions with your, the guy you're dating, you're going to have lots of emotions. And, and initially, you know, all research says in attraction ladies that you're attracted to men that make you feel.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn to grow and think for yourself in a world that doesn't want you thinking (laughs) at all.
0: So uh, true. we
1: are here to help you grow yourself spiritually and to grow your critical thinking skills so that you know what and why you believe what you believe. My name is Jesse Mayer. I will be your host and we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peake.
0: <laughs> well, welcome everybody. I'm so glad you're here today listening. This is an opportunity for you to learn what freedom and walking with Christ is all about. So we're studying the word. We're jumping in there every Tuesday on Thursdays, we apply it. And right now we're doing something that is, wow, pretty, pretty tense. You are,
1: you are treading where few
0: have yeah, fared. we're talking about the nature of You're women. You're walking a tightrope. <laughs>
1: so Tuesday was really interesting because we did uh, a study, a yes. biblical study on the nature of women. Just yes. like men, women are created in the image of God, mm-hmm. and this image with them creates desires in the soul. And the desires of, of the soul are what drive us. They motivate us, Mm -hmm. they influence our decisions and the things that we do. On the other hand, these desires can also be misleading because they've been, uh, tainted by sin. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about how, what women are up against in today's world.
0: Well, I, I would have to say that today, as we talk about it, I, you know, there's nothing more painful, I think, based on Tuesday's study for women, then when their relationships are really going bad or Mm. they're really disappointed in the lack of, of quality relationships in their life, it's really painful for them guys can distract. They can go and do something, you know, it's like, well, I'll go and, you know, Go to football or I'll go do this, or I'll go build something. They can kind of distract, but for women, it's just exceedingly painful. They just carry that, Mm. especially if you're single, let's say you're single and you see all of your really good friends getting married. They're getting engaged and you don't have anybody in your life. That can be really, really painful for women. Uh, some women, you know, are, can be really successful in life. Their can career go well. Uh, they can have a great relationship with their siblings or extended family and parents and so forth, grandparents. But if, if they're, they're lonely, you know, if they don't have some good friends or even a romantic intimate relationship in their life. That's what they're going to think about more than anything else. And, and women, I think struggle with the fact that they could have a total of five or six really intimate relationships in their life, you know, maybe with their parents, a sibling, a best friend and a husband, but they will spend all their time thinking of the one relationship that isn't going the best. Mm. So it, it orients them towards the one that's broken a lot. It dominates the radar. I think women who are married with children. Uh, they're under a lot of pressure. It's a struggle relationally because they don't have a lot of time to develop relationships and then they start, you can feel insecure in your relationships. And when you do that, that tends to create drama, either in your kid's life, your own life, or with your husband. So my hope is that this whole series storybook endings, and of course this week's podcast can really help women reframe their lives in a way that creates an opportunity for more meaningful relationships, more peaceful, loving, intimate relationships, because you know, our hope is that they will experience meaning and fulfillment in life the way God designed them.
1: So why are relationships so difficult for women today Mm. in a world where there's more freedom, uh, more opportunity, more equality for women than ever before here in America? Why are their relationships so disappointing?
0: Well, I think. You know, there's a lot of bad news and we just have to be realistic and get it out on the table. And that is, you know, we need to diagnose why women are currently so dissatisfied with their relationships. Uh, even in some of the most advanced, uh, first world nations, you know, uh, particularly America, uh, women's satisfaction with their relationships ranks pretty low, mm. you know, on things. And I think the first thing is that remember the nature, our very nature, and that is The world tells you that your nature is something different than it really is. If you believe what the world says, then that's going to create more problems than success in your relational life. But the Bible teaches that your heart has been tainted. And this taint influences your desires. It influences your strategy, your relational strategy, your approach to relationships, and even your evaluation of how good your relationships are. So, you know, your soul can be driven towards, let's say an intimate relationship, you meet a guy, you fall in love, you get married. But what will happen is the world can convince you that. That even though biblically you have a really great marriage and you're really married to a great guy, you, you won't see that, you know, or you'll be discontent or dissatisfied. And so you'll try to push it and mold it and shape it in ways that it's not intended to go with really bad results. So the first, the first bad news out there that we have to deal with is that ladies, just like men, your soul is tainted. And even though you're more attuned to relationships. is going to be hard to hear doesn't mean you're necessarily better at them. So Mm. that's, that's important to understand. So the second thing is, is that you have been given a frame of reference. And what I mean by that is you've grown up in a society that has taught you a certain way to think. And one of the ways it's taught you to think is how you think and how you perceive your relationships. And the biggest frames of reference that are going to frustrate your relational life, or is this? Is I know that this sounds random and abstract, but you've been trained to think as a deconstructionist. It started off with religion or faith. You know, well, you can't believe in God because of this, this. So they de- kind of tried to deconstruct that, and then they deconstructed truth, and then they deconstructed real experiences. And what happens is that, ladies, what you realize is that without knowing it, the the taint causes you to deconstruct your relationships. So you're constantly picking them apart. You see, Mm. you're constantly looking for the flaws in them because you've been trained from day one in American society, particularly the public education system to think this way. And so what does that do? Does that allow you to have stronger relationships or does that just make you dissatisfied with the relationships in your life? Okay. So that that's a big frame of. Reference another big frame of reference that I think that ladies have to deal with, and this is kind of bad news is that there's very few good role models. You know, the majority of young people have grown up with their, you know, well, I, I grew up with my mom as a single parent or, uh, my mom and a stepdad, or I grew up with my dad and my stepmom and you're back and forth and you're all this. And so it's kind of interesting that, that. You know, you've never really been given a model mm. and the, it, the really important thing about a model for females is that, is that when you're dealing with emotions and you're going to have a lot of emotions around your relationships with your kids, you're going to have a lot of emotions with your husband. You're going to have a lot of re- emotions with your, the guy you're dating. You're going to have lots of emotions. And, and initially, you know, all research says in attraction ladies that you're attracted to men that make you feel. Okay. And then feel a certain way. And that's the initial aspects of attraction as well as the physiological pheromone stuff we talked about on Tuesday. So the key, the key that uh, is to understand this and in understanding this, I think what you realize is that the models that I grew up with show me how to process those emotions, Mm -hmm. right? For instance, if you grew up in a family that, uh, had broken apart because there were disagreements. Then what's going to happen is whenever you are now, let's say married and you're in a position where you feel the tension of disagreement, right? Instead of being secure and resolving those conflicts and disagreements in a way that are positive and strong, what you end up doing is you end up becoming more insecure because you feel like it's a sign that it's falling all apart when it actually isn't, Mm. you see. So, a a lack of a good role models is undermining for women, I think over the long term. So that's, that's some of the bad news. It's these frames of reference and the fact that uh, your heart's been tainted. And so the evil one tries to manipulate you in regards to your relationships and the frame of reference by which you view them through. So, I mean,
1: let's dig into this concept of frame of reference a little bit more, Mm -hmm. um, what values or or principles is our society reinforcing that affect women's relationships negatively?
0: Well, I think that there's a couple things that it's really important to know on a, on a real upstream or a big scale, a big thing that is influencing females in the way they approach their relationships today. First and foremost, there is an anti-marriage ideology. Mm. Okay. And for a long time. Uh, what happened is, well, uh, we're going to, in our society, we're going to promote like same sex marriage, right? And the primary argument for same sex marriage is that we just want to give everyone the same right and it doesn't impact your marriage at all. So mm-hmm. why, And so people are like, well, okay, that makes sense. And so, uh, but it w- couldn't pass through votes. And so then they brought a case before the Supreme court and then the Supreme court dictated it in 2016, but what people don't really understand is that same-sex marriage is not a request to be treated the same. It's actually a special, right? Mm. So it's an additional, right. And the best way to illustrate it is this way is that, uh, you're in England and you learn how to drive a car, right? So you come over here and you're driving and you're driving on the, you know, over there, they drive on the left side of the road. And over here we drive on the right side of the road, which always makes us right. (laughs) Okay, so
1: I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah, I had to throw that out there.
0: Um, so you go there, so you come over here and so what you're doing is you're saying, well, everybody has the right to drive, right? I want to drive on the left side of the road because I'm a left side driver. And you're like, okay, I, all right, let's do that. And and that's basically what same sex marriage is when it comes to marriage is because what marriage was even prior to the United States and its whole position prior to Christianity for 7,000 years of recorded history has always been an attempt by societies or civilizations to respect and honor the relationship uh, between a a man and a woman, you see, and to try to, now there's different forms of it and so forth, but that was the basic structure institutionally of it. So consequently, when what you're doing is you're saying, we want to change the very structure. What that does is that changes your perception of your own marriage. And that's what's happened, you know? So they say, well, of course th- their marriage over there, it's the same. So it doesn't affect me at all. Well, actually it does. It affects you immensely. Just like if someone says, I want to drive down the left side of the road. It does affect you because you have to navigate around it. And now you're looking up for it. It, it has all kinds of, and I don't want to get into the philosophical construct of this because we just don't have time. My point though, is that one of the ways that it has come out is that the point and purpose and meaning of marriage has dramatically been reduced. Okay. Because of that, the, the, so that's that same sex marriage. The second thing that has happened is the sexual revolution has dramatically reduced the importance of marriage. The sexual revolution tried to convince women that sexual freedom was the path to meaning and fulfillment. If you were sexually free, then you would find, wow, I'm just as empowered as men because men are this way. And so, well, the logic there doesn't fit. So we're still talking about all the bad news out there of all the things in the world that undermine your relationships. And that is, is that all the research shows that women are harmed by illicit sex. Uh, women are by nature, relational and sexual activity within a committed relationship is always the most fulfilling. And we even studies show that women who are dating men. And men who are dating women, the longer they wait before they're sexually active, then the healthier their relationship will be. There is a direct correlation between waiting. So the key is, is that those who wait for marriage tend to, it's not hundred percent, but they tend to have the highest rates of sexual intimacy, intimacy sexual satisfaction, healthy marriages that last the longest, mm. you know? Uh, the, the data is out there. It's easy to find. So the, the anti-marriage ideology that has been rooted into our culture is, is not good for women in their marriages because the values are spoken about and communicated and comedians make jokes about them and you pick that stuff up and that influences how you perceive intimate relationships. Uh, another thing, another frame of reference that I think is the, the transgender ideology. And transgender ideology is really unique because what it basically says at its core is that you can be whatever you identify as, and that gender, male and female is a social construct. There's no root in anything rooted in biology. And what that does is that then says is that females, there's nothing special or unique about them. Mm. And so. So when sometimes we buy into an idea, which we think is good, but then we realize is that it undermines the upstream value or principle, right? And when you, when you undermine and contradict your upstream principle, you create cognitive dissonance in yourself. So, so that's a frame of reference that is very popular in our society today. Um, the last one that's probably the biggest influence over the last 50 to 60 years has been feminism, particularly third wave feminism and, uh, third wave feminists, of course, never differentiate between first wave and second wave. But first wave wasn't even called feminism. Okay. It was called women's suffrage Mm. and it was directly linked. It was started in the church, Protestant churches, and Mm. particularly in the north, the Northeastern United States. And it was directly linked, and this was in the 1800s. It started prior to the civil war, but then it kind of disappeared during the civil war, cause that was such a massive thing. But then right after that, in 1880, 1885, it started to pick up again. And then in 1910, uh, the women's voting rights act was passed, but it wasn't just a, a right to vote. There was all kinds of changes in it, uh, which were very, very positive. That's called women's suffrage, right? And that was more of a let's level the playing field. So it's equal for everybody. Well, then second wave feminism came along and out of that, you saw the ERA amendment and of course that's never passed because it's what it does is it grants special rights, not equal rights. And then now third wave feminism is 100% based on Marxist gender ideology. And a lot of people are not aware of that. Uh, let's, let's take, let's uh, show how this. Framework of Marxist ideology. What it does is it says that all relationships, ladies, that you have are power relationships. They're all hierarchical power relationships. Uh, you you've been infected by the patriarchy, and you need to tear it down. And if you don't, then you don't believe in women. That's kind of how the third wave feminism goes. Uh, there's a famous a feminist author says, "Well, the ultimate goal of our feminism is to dispense with males completely." So lesbianism is the highest value and virtue in third wave mm. feminism. And so, uh, now a lot of women are saying, oh, that doesn't even appeal to me. I don't listen to that, but, but, well, I want you to know though, it does affect you because the downstream is out there and you swim in it every day. For instance, let's take this trend. Uh, it's hard to do with, uh, with tremendous accuracy because people don't want to, but you can see trends and that is. Uh, even though relationships are different for every couple, if you look at the divorce rate in today's America, what you will find is that 70 to 80% of all divorces are now initiated by women. Just 30 years ago, 60% of all divorces were initiated by men, right? And now it's completely flipped and gone the other way. Now you compare this data point to rates of drug abuse and domestic uh, violence. And what you discover is that 45 to 50% of all divorces are initiated for non-abuse issues. Okay. So there isn't, you know, severe emotional, psychological abuse, physical abuse, uh, sexual abuse. There isn't any types of these. There's not drug addiction or any of that kind of going on. So of that, the majority of. Divorces initiated by women are initiated because they are dissatisfied with their relationship Mm. now, the, the one data point that we can't figure into. We need to, is that we don't know if the man in those was, uh, cheating, you know, or going out, but it, you can't make a too big of a deal of that, even though that is a big deal, but in the data you can't. And the reason why is because if men find someone else or they cheat or, or move on, then they tend to initiate the divorce, you Mm -hmm. see. So, so the point is, is that the framework of feminism has created a discontent for women downstream in their relationships. And so most people are not aware that the downstream values come from the upstream Marxist ideology, i.e. the patriarchy and this, and what a lot of people don't realize is that Marxist ideology in his philosophy is built upon the virtue of envy. Okay. So when something is built on envy or jealousy or anger, This is for thousands of years have been, has been recognized is recognized by the Greek philosophers, you know, 400 years before Christ was born. And that is, is that those things by nature fail. Okay. So, so what's happening in the downstream is you have to realize is that the, is that our society has adopted these feminist values downstream. Uh, trans ideology has been pushing anti-marriage. Uh, stuff has been pushed down, uh, into the culture. And then that adopted with your deconstructionist trained brain, uh, basically creates a lot of really difficult frames of thinking, right. That really undermine all of your relationships and rob you of joy and fulfillment.
1: Mm. So when, uh, when women are being put into difficult spots, yeah. I mean, The, the culture as a whole is just putting them in a, in a bind really when it comes to finding joy in relationships, what can they do about it? Well, this
0: is a good news. You know, this is, that was the bad news. Now this is all good news. We gotta go up at some point in this, right? Yeah, We gotta give 15 minutes of bad news. Now we need 15 minutes of good news. And here's the good news. You've been redeemed. You've been washed. You are no longer locked into these relationship patterns. None of these tainted drives, frames of reference, or even expectations have to control or influence your relationships any longer. This is exactly what Jesus came to free you from. And that is the control or what the Bible calls the bondage of the taint. This is why it says Jesus came to set the captive free. And what, what are we controlled by? Paul says we are controlled by sin. And so we, our nature needs to be freed from that in our study in our text. Remember is Ephesians chapter four and in verses 17 through 20, if you recall, he says, I urge you to no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds, darkened in their understanding because they are ignorant of the truth. But you did not learn Christ in this way. You have been set free and you have been made new in the attitude of your mind. Therefore put on your new self, which has been created in the righteousness of God. So you listen to that and realize, wow, I've been set free. Even though I have to be aware of this bad news, it doesn't have any control over me if I don't let it. And that's the key. Don't let it.
1: As always, we have... uh an audience that loves when you get practical for us. So let's get practical, talk it through for us.
0: Well, I think first and foremost, ladies, the, if you really want your relationships to blossom and be more happy with them and more content and at peace is that spend time seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. The more your desires of your soul are fulfilled by Jesus. Then the more satisfied and joyful you are about your relationships, because you don't have an unrealistic expectation of what those relationships are supposed to do for you, mm. you see. So that's really, really important. Uh, if, if you seek out friendships with healthy women, not unhealthy women, Now you might be called to disciple or mentor a woman who is unhealthy, but that's a different relationship. You go into it, realizing I'm mentoring this person, (laughs) but seek out friendships with healthy women, uh, approach your relationships with men differently realize that let's say if you're between Uh, 18 years of age and 28 years of age, 30 years of age is that you're going to be attracted to males physiologically in ways that may not. Build a loving, wonderful, long lasting (laughs) relationship. Right. Um, and so what our world wants to do is convince you that. You, your sexual drive is the most important thing about you. And if you hinder it in any way, shape or form, then you're repressed. You are, uh, uh, you're not free. And of course this is absolutely absurd. This is Freudian ideology, which has been debunked over and over again, but our society makes movies about it and TV shows <laughs> about it all the time. Time. So if you're single ladies and you're ready to mingle, you know, I've heard that single ready to mingle, (laughs) um, you need to ask yourself some really good questions. I think ask yourself, how has society influenced my perception of love and romance? Um, what ways are the desires of my soul being influenced by the taint of sin in my life? I can't expect myself to be perfect. So what is right and what might be influenced in a negative way? Uh, how do I align my expectations with the reality of what true love is? And remember what we talked about. This is really important is that your physical attraction, this you no, know, cause women have been taught and trained to think that chemistry, you know, that pitter patter and stuff is the most important thing in a lasting loving relationship, but all the research shows that lasts for 36 months in any relationship. And it's called tachyphylaxis has to do with the brain and so forth. The bells and the whistles and all the zip, but then, you know, so you meet somebody in your late twenties and then you're married to him for 50 years. Right. Mm. So, you know, 36 months of, can you really build a lifelong relationship? Not if you don't have help and not if you don't understand how you're wired. Right. So that's really, really important and seek out the things that really develop intimacy over a long period of time. If you're married and you're not happy with your relationships right now, I would just encourage you to ask yourself this question. What is the source of my discontent and skip the quick answer. My husband. (laughs) Okay. Just skip that. Say, ask yourself deeper questions. Ask yourself, why is it when my husband does this, it annoys me so much. Mm. Why is it when he doesn't do this? I feel fill in the blank. Ask yourself these questions. Why, why am I unhappy with him now? Sometimes the answer to that question is, well, because he, he is wrong. He sinned against me. He's a sinner like you. And so he is going to sin against you in your marriage. That's just going to happen. You, you have to, you have to realize that. Okay. Your kids are going to disobey you, right? What <laughs> that's what happens uh, because the taint influences us. Right? So ask yourself the simple question of. Uh, what, what is the source of my discontent? Maybe it's, he sinned against me, but then maybe it's because my expectations or my needs are different than he knows, or I know. Mm. So that's really important to dig into that. So, but if he, if it's because he sins against you, and even if he doesn't sin against you, the most important thing you can do when you're married is you need to practice forgiveness. And this is so important to your marriage ladies is that. I think women should take one day a week and say, I'm going to forgive my husband. (laughs) And just, you know, one of the best ways to do that is to write down on a sheet of paper, everything he did that week that annoyed you or hurt you, or you're angry or upset about, write all that down. And then at the bottom say, I forgive him. I let it go. Crumple up that piece of paper and burn it, you know, Mm. just go away, uh, you have to detox your heart on a regular basis, right? And so, one of the, you know, uh, the the thing right now is, uh, what are these these cleanses that people are really into right now? You know, you can have a kale cleanse. Yep, kale juice,
1: juice cleanse, caffeine yoga, cleanse, goat cleanse. I don't know a, a goat
0: cheese yogurt <laughs> cleanse. Yes, you can have all these cleanses, right? And people are like, "Oh, I feel so much better." You know, I feel lighter and. You know, I'm not, you know, I fit into my clothes better. Everybody loves that kind of stuff, right? Well, guess what? Your soul needs to be cleansed. And Jesus says the best way to do that is to practice forgiveness. So do that. Um, the other thing I would encourage you to do in the end here is, you know, ladies, if you're married, what has happened is you've developed a dance with your husband, right? In other words, I call this a dance and what it is, is it's a communicative dance. And so. Um, you need to figure out how to dance differently, approach crucial conversations with your husband in a way that encourages or ties into the way that God designed him. Guys tend to be solution oriented. This is why guys joke that the five most feared words in any husband's life is honey, we need to talk. Mm. Because whenever you lead with honey, we need to talk. You've done three things, right? The first, the, by leading that way, the first thing you've done is you've put him into a defensive si- situation because he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what you're going to talk about. He doesn't know anything. And you know how you don't like to, you know, that happened to you. You want to know what's going on. So one of the best things to do is approach it from the standpoint, like, you know, I, I encourage women to do this, say, uh, honey, there's something I need your help with. On the kids, or there's something I need your help with between you and me. Can we talk about it in a couple hours or tonight after dinner, when the kids go to bed, blah, 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 blah. And then that gives him an opportunity to think about it. And the first thought that's going to go through his head when you say this is what I do wrong, what I do wrong, what I do wrong, what I do. Well, she doesn't want to talk. And the more you approach it from this standpoint, you know, you just say, you might say, you know, honey, I feel like we aren't on the same page when it comes to fill in the blank. Uh, what can we do to get on the same page? You know, but if you approach your husband with, with demands, like, well, I need you to do this. And if you don't do this, you don't love me. What, what you're doing is you're creating a lose, lose situation for your man. Because what happens is he has to approach it with one of two instincts, right? The first instinct is this. I love this woman. I want to be at peace with her. So I'll acquiesce. Okay, well, that's called a power play. All right. Now men will do two things when they acquiesce again and again, and again, they only have a long-term there's only two psychological responses to that. The first one is they turn into a beta male. They just become into agreeable. And then you as a woman will lose respect for him. Right? So, you know, this is what other guys say, well, he's, you know, he's been whipped. You know, Mm. uh, he's just, he's lost. He's he's now beta dude. You know, he, he can't, he doesn't believe in himself. He doesn't you know, he just wants to keep peace at all costs. Right. So he just says, yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, dear, whatever. And so, uh, the other option is he resents it and then he resents it and he resents it and then he resents it, then he resents it. And then you go, honey, I need you to take out the trash and you go, well, I'll get it later. Why can't you do it now? And then he just erupts and you look at him and go, what is my husband's problem? (laughs) You know, he's got all these problems. Well, what you don't realize is that you've approached him in a way you see over time that all these little things have built up resentment. Now I talked to the guys last week about how guys, when you resent your wives and you do that and you don't have a crucial conversation with her, then that's on you and you need to deal with that. But ladies, you don't want to add to that. Do you? Um, approach your husband in a different way in these crucial conversations. Um, the final thing too, is I would encourage you ladies who are married is you must think of sex differently. Um, don't think of sex as sex. Think of it as intimacy. Now, let me illustrate this way. You know, that feeling you get when you haven't spent time or talked with your husband, you know, how you feel distant from him. You're like disconnected or distant or whatever, and you're just really unsettled and you don't like that. When all you really need is some face to face time with your man, you just, you need a little time away where you guys can just get together and talk and, you know, dream and just, you know, be together. Right. Mm. And it's like, man, once you have a good conversation with your husband and you haven't talked to him in a while, how do you feel? You feel connected. You feel just so much better. And so, you know, you just feel wonderful about your relationship. Well, guess what? That's the feeling he gets when he's intimate with you. Mm. He doesn't get that feeling when he has a conversation with you. You do. But he doesn't right. And so when he's physically intimate with you, he has the same feeling that you have when you spend an hour on the couch talking just about your day and life and everything, you feel close and connected. Well, intimacy is how he does that. So think of it in those terms and that will change the power struggles that happen about sexuality and marriages. So that would be some of my initial practical advice, ladies. And I hope you found it helpful because my dream for you is that you have more happiness and more joy, more fulfillment in this world, in your relationships.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing those things with us, Pastor Doug. Um, we will be finishing up your this. Portion of this series about um, women on Sunday, so um, make sure you guys tune into that because there's probably going to be some more insights and it's going to be really great. Um, <laughs> and you yes. know, it'll be the first time he's he's saying these words in front of a crowd of women, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there might be something funny happening. You Thank know. you
1: guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you on Sunday here in Foothills Christian Church.
0: Bussings.